Welcome. You are now aboard the Sub Club Submarine Spaceship. We will be your tour guides on a quantum journey to reprogram our subconscious minds. Please keep your arms and hands inside the subship at all times until you are safely docked in your castle's subship port upon arrival at Heaven on Earth. Thank you and enjoy the ride. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Brainwash Yourself, the podcast where we design our consciousness to co-create Heaven on Earth. My name is Annika, and I am here today with my co-host, Callista. Hi, everybody. Um, we have a super special guest today, Mandy Renner. She is an Akashic channel, and we are just so happy to have you here, Mandy. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Okay. So let's dive right into it. I think just if you wouldn't mind giving a little background and overview for any of our listeners who maybe they have not heard of the Akashic record before, or they don't know what it is. Cause I know that, you know, as an Akashic channel, you're channeling the Akashic record. So if you wouldn't mind just giving that context and background as a way sure. to yeah. yeah. So the Akashic records are, um, everybody has access to the Akashic records. It's just who has um, trained their mind to be able to go into that space. So it's a basically a connected point that connects each one of us here on this earth. Um, within the records, there are um, past lives that can be brought forward. There are um, significant events, significant relationships. Um, there are qualities that that uh, might precede your, um, you know, the incarnation within your physical body. There are qualities that maybe your soul has built over many, many years that um, can be harnessed through the Akashic Records. So it's a warehouse of um, just... A limitless amount of information. I mean, it's the connection to the source, and it's a place that we can go with our minds to kind of tap into that that place with source. So so cool. So it's kind of like I've heard it described as like a library where like all the information mm -hmm. is. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to describe it, and a great image to think about. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so cool. Yeah. So do you tap into the Akashic Records every day? Do you do it for yourself or primarily for clients? Will you tell us a little bit about um, yeah, how it weaves into yourself, your spiritual journey and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as um, using the Akashic Records for, um, gosh, yeah, it's a service for others. And so it was often like a clientele-based service um, where you go in to mind and I worked with a partner and we would go into mind and it would basically be um, this drawing forth of information that is being requested. And so my experience in that space is that I don't have memory of it. Um, but I do have kind of what would be maybe similar to a hypnotist that's kind of directing my mind into that space. So that's kind of what that looks like. And yeah, it's offered. Um, there are, I know many other intuitive reporting teams um, that all offer the same service. We all kind of trained in the same area. 
Um, and they're just phenomenally accurate. And um, oftentimes uh, it takes you to places that you weren't quite awake to, you know, um, you, you just couldn't quite get to within yourself. And so it kind of draws your attention to that one thing that really needs to be understood right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I know that like you're probably, your work and your journey probably goes beyond just even the specificity of that. So like mm-hmm. how, how, like, is there a way beyond that before we get like deeper into conversation that like you talk about the work that you do and like you, your mission here and what you're here to share? Like, is it, is it primarily the acoustic channeling or mm-hmm. is there more that you want to um, share before we mm-hmm. move on? Gosh, I mean, that's such a profound question, right? <laughs> like a million different ways I could answer that. Um, I see my mission on earth is to create myself and to lean into God's creation, which is my physical body and which is this mind and this hair and, you know, all these things. But for me to create, just like you said, kind of in your opening statements, like heaven on earth, you know, it's like I can choose to create that every single day or I can choose to create hell on earth. But I see my mission as creating, it's like a sacred creation every single day. So beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, I think I've heard a little bit of your, your personal story and journey, Mm -hmm. um, on other, other podcast interviews that Mm -hmm. I've tuned into. And I, I love your energy. I think it's just really, really Mm -hmm. sweet. And I loved, um, hearing kind of how you came to do this work. Would you mind giving us a little yeah. summary or whatever feels present of kind of how you ended up here? Right. Yeah. How did I get here? Um, gosh, such such a um, important question because if it hadn't have been for all the trauma and all the pain and all the ups and downs of life, you know, it's like, it's easy to look back and say, oh yeah, well, I'm glad all that happened because it brought me right here. But my story does start out with a very dysfunctional family. Um, My dad was an alcoholic and my mom was a prescription drug addict. She had bipolar that was oftentimes unmedicated more often than not. And so the household was highly dysfunctional. And um, within that environment, I was given the message just over and over. I was taught to, I think whenever you're on survival mode, you're just constantly looking outside of yourself for, is this okay? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to, you know, is this safe? And so I learned how to look outside of myself for confirmation that I was okay all the time. And so my vision was always on the outside of me. And as I um, grew up and uh, had a, a newfound sense of freedom away from my parents, um, then I went into these years of like numbing and I drank and, you know, just had all these addictive behaviors that kept me, again, further away from myself. So it wasn't until I had children. Um, I got married. We had children. And by the time our second one came along, my daughter, um, she is a gift that was sent to me by God. I know that she came here um, for my soul evolution because she, by this time, I mean, I I was emotionally suppressing and repressing everything from my childhood. It's like, oh, there's not enough room for all these feelings out here. I'm just going to keep them to myself. Well, of course, my daughter 
has real big emotions and she experiences them all of the emotions every single day and this is when she was like three or four well it was really difficult for me to stay present with her it was very difficult for me to parent her it was very difficult for me to um help her help her understand her emotions or to you know um move move with them because it was terrifying i was so scared of them so when she came when she was born and when we kind of entered that phase of life it was um a invitation for me to heal this because i saw very clearly and i don't know why but i saw very clearly like i can either i can either squeeze this out of her and i can make her change for the world or i can heal myself and allow her to be who she came here to be and um that healing took me going to therapy it took me starting a very um um predictable and daily spiritual practice um and it took me getting acquainted with myself so instead of my eyes pointing outward all the time i really spent a lot of time pointing them inward and there are a lot of different ways that i did that but it was through all of that it was really my daughter that was the the catalyst for ever even thinking that oh there might be something here i need to look at yeah that's so cool. I just love that story because I feel like it's such a perfect illustration of just this this cycle and how we all have the opportunity to kind of put this different cycle because who knows, your parents may have, I'm not sure, but had an environment when they were children that was very, very chaotic and they learned to turn away from their internal world and then how it all like reflects and manifests back out where then of course you have like this mirror in your daughter mm -hmm. and it's like hard to hard to look at all that pain from your own childhood so I really commend you and I think that's really mm -hmm. beautiful for kind of going going that route um and that's really cool yeah uh, it's 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 been um such a beautiful journey and I think I just am so grateful for her so grateful for her and all the blessings that she brought me mm -hmm. and you're right i mean it 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 i think it would have been well i almost said i think it may have been easier to turn a blind eye and just you know kind of ask her to be different but that that doesn't feel good that didn't feel good at all so yeah yeah and and you're right it's like whenever you can start looking at people as a reflection of you it's like okay what is this person reflecting back to me then it changes everything right because um you're not victimized by other people anymore and it's like you take responsibility for yourself and in that there's the power to change there's the power to make choices um rather than being can you believe my daughter said this to me today or whatever you know mm -hmm. so it's a very it's a it's a act in like i feel like it's a powerful act to see yourself in each person that you interact with mm, that's so beautiful yeah mm -hmm. i totally agree i think one of our huge like values and systems of belief that we operate on is like that of uh self-empowerment and just like taking radical responsibility for every little piece of the reality because anything that pops up that's triggering us is just some sort of reflection of something within ourselves and yeah i totally resonate with the the dichotomy of yeah it might be easier in one way not to 
grow and change and look at the thing. Mm -hmm. And on the other mm -hmm. end, it would actually be like extremely painful and mm -hmm. probably for longer, I mean, for longer until you decide to move differently. So it's, it's really beautiful. Oftentimes I think about those choices and I'm like, and I wonder sometimes how much we're actually choosing them and how much we're just actually, it's the only, it's like the choiceless choice. Like we can't, we can't not choose that thing. We can't not open that door. But um, that is somewhat of an unanswerable question. Um, well, it's interesting. It reminds me of like Sophie's choice where if you're having to choose between yourself and a child or your husband and your child, or like these really difficult decisions, right? And by choosing me, I actually chose her mm -hmm. because I was doing her no favors by trying to control or perfect or manage the situation um, that was completely inauthentic and not even in alignment with who she was. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't fair to anybody. So the when I could really start looking at myself, um, that's when, I mean, she just blossomed. And I mean, we're best friends now. I mean, she's like the most amazing person. And I just look at her as just the biggest gift I've ever been given in my life because of that, because I found myself because of her. Wow. That is yeah. so liberating just to even, even mm -hmm. hear, because you think about that, about our desire to control other people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the parent child mm -hmm. dynamic, that has to be mm -hmm. so, so incredibly present, like maybe more mm -hmm. so than in any other type of relationship, like probably a lot. So in romantic relationships too, but, um, being able to turn that back to ourselves and just like allowing the other person to express whoever they are and like trying mm -hmm. to hold that place of unconditional love and then looking at anything that comes up against that. And I mean, that can really catapult, I feel like an evolutionary journey, which it did. So, mm -hmm. great. so that's really incredible. How old is she now? She's 15 now. Wow. Epic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love your perspective and how you share about that because it really is like such a paradigm shift. And I can see how as we grow up and we endure traumas and we we learn these defense mechanisms, and then there's this paradigm of like little babies, they they don't know anything. And we know, like we know how the world is, we know how scary it is, we know how you need to be to to defend yourself. And it's actually interesting because there's like this new paradigm perspective of when these souls are like fresh to the earth and they don't have all of this conditioning and fear programming and trauma response. It's like, maybe they, maybe they know a lot more than we think. And they're so much closer to that original source of wisdom and truth. And then there's that everyone is so different so we go through life from our own perspective and we learn how how to interact with it in the way that feels safest for us but that might not be something that is beneficial at all to someone else and I feel like it's so hard to make that distinction when there's also the aspect of like you're responsible for this person's safety and raising them so it's such I can't imagine of course but it seems like such a high pressure situation where you you want to do your best, but I think that really just having, um, like having a mom who's, who's healed and willing to look and just accept is in my opinion, just one of the best ways to go about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it took, uh, 
Well, I think one thing that you said that was so beautiful is that I always saw Mary's innocence because she's not a 40 plus year old woman, you know, with all this life experience and baggage. She's coming in and is just expressing energy, right? Mm -hmm. Emotions are just coming out and that's energy coming out. And who am I to sit back and judge that energetic expression? Like this isn't, this isn't Mary that doesn't define her. However, I'm sitting over here in judgment and triggered, right? And so it, it took a lot of, um, I think my spiritual journey was really learning how to stay with myself, really learning how to be still when um, a still mind and a still body, when these big things are coming up. Because it's, as you guys know, it, it's hard to sit in dark places, right? Like within ourselves, kind of our shadow self or the underbelly, right? It's it's a vulnerable place and it's um, doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it feels kind of lonely and sometimes it feels um, like I'm just never going to emerge from it. Like I'm going to be here forever, right? Mm -hmm. So I think so much of my journey was um, just being still with the, what needed to come up with, with me, right? Because then what I did was by, by, by not making, not telling Mary she has to be different because I'm wounded, right? Um, like I, I made her, like I, I helped her express to the world who she is. Like I gave her permission to say, this is, I mean, you're beautiful. You're everything about you. Like the world needs you as you, the world doesn't need a dulled down version that I create. Right. So it really gave her permission to kind of spread her wings and grow into herself. Yeah. So, so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. What a gift that mm -hmm. you guys are both giving each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it would be, I would love to hear more about just the work that you do, like the, the spiritual work that you do, like the practices yeah. you have, like what you've been learning from them recently, uh, anything that you feel inspired to share. Yeah, yeah. gosh, yeah. so much. So I started, um, well, my mom was a Methodist minister, so I was born and raised in a church. I like literally lived in a church my whole life. And I, it was, um, I saw a lot of scandalous things there, a lot of <laughs> behind the scenes scandal. And, um, you know, like as a young adult and an adult, like I saw so much hypocrisy and um, dishonesty. And so it really steered me away from the church. And so in my um, young adulthood, I kind of, I was looking around, like I, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew I didn't really want organized religion. So I stumbled upon um, the spiritual immersion program. And um, I was a part of this program for uh, almost a decade, like eight years. Um, and so within this program, I took classes and I taught classes and I, I continuously immersed myself with literature, with um, daily practices that I'm happy to talk about um, and things like uh, dream interpretation meditation, visualization, um, but really building, you're building the insides, right? And it's kind of like going to a gym, like you practice the very first time you sit down and meditate, it can be a little bit hard and it can be um, maybe even physically painful and um, maybe even feel kind of crazy because you begin to see like how many things are happening in your head, right? So it's like going to the gym every single day and like lifting the 
the heavier weights of like, okay, today I'm gonna meditate for five minutes and tomorrow 10 minutes or whatever. And so it's just continuously practicing and building the inner strength um, is how my story began. Yeah, and I um, am forever grateful for the immersive program that I was in. It was wonderful. It was exactly what I needed. And now that I've stepped away from that, um, it feels so good to stand on my own and to feel like uh, I can. I'm I'm my own teacher. You know, mm -hmm. I don't I don't need to look outside of myself anymore. And I needed to for until I didn't. So it was there, and I'm glad that it was. And now I'm just in a place, I think my learning now is, um, hmm, trusting myself, um, being gentle, gen gentler with myself, um, not so conditional with myself. Yeah. And then that fans out, you know, everyone around me benefits from that. But, you know, it, it does start with me, you know. Yeah, it's so, so powerful. I love all of that. And I'm curious, mm -hmm. too, like what I want to know, like the story of the first time that you channeled the Akashic mm -hmm. Records, like, was it something mm -hmm. that was like, what was that like when you yeah. first had that experience? Okay, so this was a part of a um, program through this spiritual immersion program. That's where I learned how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, I mean, my partner and I trained for years before we ever like went live, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for those two years of training, I mean, it was, I was scared to death. Like it was to me, um, I had, excuse me, I had such a lack of trust in myself that number one, I was capable. Number two, that I had anything important to say that anybody wanted to hear. Um, three, that it was accurate, right? So just all these, number four, can I trust my partner? I don't know. I barely knew him at the time. So I, um, so the first two years, fear, it was just it was so fear. And I literally had to make, it was a conscious choice every single time that I went in to practice, um, because there was so much fear in my body. And then as time went on, um, I just can't overemphasize how much fear there was. <laughs> just a lot of hesitation. And so, but as time went on and as I kept showing up for myself, I kept showing up for my partner, um, I slowly built the trust. And I was like, oh yeah, I've done, I've been here before. I can do this, you know? Um, and so it evolved into um, this, this practice that we created. And um so the first time I would say um, that I was there and then how to describe it. So there's a lot of overcoming the conscious mind, which is all that fear. That's the brain, right? And then you're really going into a higher level of mind. So you're going up into really kind of where your soul resides and where um, there's this universality connection. So that's where you go. And um, it's very, it's very quiet. It's very calm. It's very simple. You know, so it's not the complexities that we create with our brains. Um, it's very simple. And so I think that that's over time. It's like, that's how I knew I was there. So it's like just everything else just kind of fell away. And it just became this like still pond or something, just very still. Um, and so it feels 
super relaxing. It feels um, you're very connected, like kind of heart expanding. You feel, um, I feel very connected when I'm in that space. I feel, um, I feel like a, a vessel for, um, you know, something higher, a higher truth to come through. So it feels sacred. It's a sacred act for sure. Mm, so mm -hmm. cool. How does that, so you mentioned it's like you're with your partner. It's almost like a hypnotism situation. So are they kind of like guiding you into yeah. that space? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he kind of stays awake the whole time. He's awake and directing really directing my mind. So where we go is a result kind of of the questions. So there'll be a question of, um, please relay a past life on um, on Mandy Renner. And so then that mind will be directed to my energy, my soul, and then there'll be an Akashic record that's relevant to this lifetime will be drawn forward. Yeah. And so he's awake kind of hearing and seeing the whole thing play out. Whereas the person who's the reporter um, is really in a hypnotic state and his um, eyes are closed the whole time, body still. Um, it feels like there's like a elephant sitting on top of you because you just feel so like it deep, you know? And um, yeah, and very little memory of it. Mm -hmm. Do you still go into these states and practice going into the Akashic Records? Yeah, I mean, it's like a maintenance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, do you think it would be possible to like do some live channeling or you need your partner there? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he's not here. That would have been so cool. <laughs> oh, that could have been so cool. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, I mean, it's a team thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Which is so cool because I have like mm -hmm. delved into the Akashic Records a little bit myself, not in the sense of like feeling super familiar with going there, but just like learning about how people tap into them. And I've never heard about doing it in partnership, which is super, super mm -hmm. cool. I feel like I could see how that would get you into like a really deep state because you can kind of let go of the conscious, like you don't have to direct it fully and like understand a question, like somebody taking you there is a really Yeah, cool I think you can go deeper and yeah. you know, the whole physical world's being taken care of, you know, mm -hmm. like he's over here taking care of all this and yeah. I'm just you can let go. I think that's, that's right. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Have you learned anything really cool from tapping in? I mean, I know you said you have a little memory of it, but like that he'll share with you afterwards that. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I've personally received just so many intuitive reports because I've just done it so many times. So, um, gosh, I think I think that I, the thing that I take with me from all knowing all of these past lives and all of these crossings, it's, I think the innate wisdom that we all have built over many, many lifetimes. Um, and that we all have the answers. We all have access to this. It's just who's able and willing to listen and pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what I've taken away. It's like, that's the ultimate trust, right? It's like, oh yeah, I do have that. That is inside of me. And it's inside of all, you and you, and it's no greater inside of me. It's just, I just know how to communicate with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, so beautiful. Like what is your understanding of like past lives, reincarnation, mm -hmm. all of that through the work that you've done? 
Yeah. So, yeah, I, I personally believe in reincarnation. Um, I personally believe that we have a soul that's committed to um, its own growth and evolution. And it does so through the physical lifetimes. And um, so I believe each soul is on a different level of maturity or a different level of understanding with thousands of different aspects of ourselves, right? So like you might have a um, more understanding built on your lifetimes about forgiveness than I do or about compassion than I do, or maybe I, you know, something like that. Cause even my, um, understanding of emotion, I think was not, it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't very mature or at least I hadn't been taught that in this lifetime. So I think, so my, my, the way that I see souls is that they choose these lifetimes, they choose these partnerships, they choose these, um, you know, parent, mother, daughter, mother, son, like all these different relationships for their soul growth and evolution. And sometimes a soul will choose um, very specific hardships in order to advance that, that soul in a very particular way. Um, and so our job is to sit back and not only in an observation, but also to continually ask the question of what am I learning? So what am I learning in this dreadful breakup that I'm going through right now that is gut wrenching and makes me want to never get out of bed for the next, you know, four months? What am I learning about myself? Because then and only then when you're aware of what you're creating within you, um, do you really have the chance to expand that into a knowing rather than just a belief about yourself? It's like, no, I know this to be true. And I'm going to take this compassion with me to the next life. So I believe that once you have developed that understanding, I believe that soul keeps those with, with them, with that soul. And it just reincarnates to each and every life. I also believe in karma, you know, so that can follow you around. And um, That's so you know. cool. So have you ever channeled about your own past lives mm -hmm. or more just like, oh, okay. So is there any, could you tell us about one of them or like what? Oh my God. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my very, very first past life profile. I did not give it to myself. Somebody else gave it to me. Um, I was in male form. And I lived in Massachusetts and it was in like 1700s and I was a minister of sorts and I was in charge of making judgments about people like life and death judgments. So it was kind of like it, it sounds a little bit like um, witchcraft, like, like not witchcraft, but like the Salem witch trials is what kind of what it feels like because I was in charge of whether or not these people were going to live or die. And there were many people that I put to death. And through the story, it, the story kind of goes on in that same fashion. And I had children. I was married and I had children. And it was through the innocence of my children that I saw, oh, my, own, my children only know what I've taught them. And so how these people only know what they're taught. So they're not right or wrong. So they're, 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 they don't deserve to die. Maybe we can teach them differently or take our own responsibility for that. And so in that, the relevance to this lifetime was that at the time I 
was really struggling with um, self-criticism, with self-judgment, and with forgiveness. And so it, this story was a perfect analogy to the type of um, responsibility that I carried within my body of um, just kind of living up, living up to my own standards and to everybody else's standards that I kind of thought that they had of me. And when I didn't, when I fell short, when I would quote unquote fail, then I would sit in judgment of myself. And so it was just such a beautiful story that allowed me to create more space inside of myself, you know, to just kind of open, open the heart up just a little bit more. Um, because I'm at the time I was functioning out of a space that I didn't know any better. You know, it was like a childlike um, way of being. It was an immature kind of the inner child is what that was. Mm -hmm. And so it's really learning how to parent that part of yourself. And that's what that report gave me, is it kind of gave me the words to describe that experience. And it also gave me the tools to... Um, I don't know, just maybe even to have the strength around going into the darkness or going into something that's heavy, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's mm -hmm. so cool. I love it. And I love the parallels. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> I love the parallels too to your um, story that you shared at the beginning of like how I'm sure that like all reflects in such an intricate way of like your relationship to your inner child and all the lessons yeah. you were learning with raising your yeah. daughter. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reflecting that back. Uh huh. And it's so cool how you've had like, you know, maybe even more than that experiences where there's been like awakenings that's come from mm -hmm. you being the role of the parent, which is so, so powerful. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. So many. <laughs> so I I remember reading too in many lives, many masters that like going through and doing this past life work can be so healing for people, even if they don't like just from learning about it or hearing about it. Like there doesn't even ha have to be a ton that's even like analyzed or figured out about it, but just mm -hmm. like being able to like li liberate these memories and be able to like connect with them. I've heard that it can be really, really powerful. Like, have you felt that experience the more that you've learned about and been able to connect with these past experiences you've had? Yeah, I think, you know, another thing that having so many past lives has shown me is that, um, and just being knowledgeable of them, is that every incarnation, every time we are in physical form, it's adding to me. It's not taking away from me. And sometimes I can get in the headspace of just like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, this is awful. You know, and I can get a little victimy about it. And um, especially with my childhood, I mean, like, I have a lot of stories that could a lot of people, many, many people would spend the rest of their lives living from that point of victimhood. And, um, and many people were traumatized. And um, so what I, what, what being able to see these, I mean, kind of in a linear form, but not really, but kind of, um, I know that I don't, I didn't have forgiveness or an understanding or a gratitude for my parents prior to really 
understanding um, that their souls were in service to my soul, even though that service came out as abuse and neglect and all these things, um, it was in service to, to my highest self. And I believe that, I truly believe that. And, um, you know, by hearing these tragic stories of these past lives over and over and over again, it's like we, none of us get out unharmed. None of us get out unscathed. You know, it's a part of being human. And um, so seeing the learning in that has been the greatest gift. Seeing the learning available has been a gift um, because then it's less about me, right? And less about my story and less about, I don't know, just even the pleasures of life. And it's more like there's a substantial purpose in that. And uh, um, yeah, it's very, it's very, it provides purpose for your life. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's so, so true. I would love to know too. So you grew up, you said like in the church, mm-hmm. witnessed all this hypocrisy, and then you mentioned um your daughter being like a gift from god and everything i would love to know like how your relationship to god and the idea of god has transformed and maybe from like how you learned about god in the church to mm-hmm. what your understanding and your relationship with god is now mm-hmm. oh that's a good question yeah i thought a lot recently about how how again back to the fear but how much fear i had of god you know, um, I was, were, were many, many um, Christians are, and children who are grown up in churches are taught that you have sin just because you're human um, and you must repent of your sins and you must take the sacrament and otherwise, you know, um, you're not going to be forgiven and, oh my God, you're not going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, believed that as many children do. And so I would look up at the altar, you know, there's this crucifixion of Jesus above every altar. And, and I, I was very afraid, but I think I also put human characteristics on God and on Jesus. And so my experience with people in authority were my parents. And so I put that um, relationship on to my relationship with God, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way that I interacted with my authority and God's the ultimate authority, right? Mm-hmm. So that I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of um, a lot of confusion of like, well, if God loves me so much, why would he put me in this situation, right? Um, as a young child. But, you know, growing, I think growing up and being on the path that I'm on, um, I know anywhere that there's anywhere that I experience love, I experience God. Anywhere that I experience a, a stillness within my mind or body, I experience God. Anytime I experience um, like just utter truth, I experience God. And so I, you know, it's much easier for me to tap into now because I've let go of the judgment. I've let go of the attachment that it needs to be look this way or sound that way, or somebody else has to tell me this is what it is. Um, and I think once I let go of that and I allowed myself to kind of discover it on my own, because my God might look different than your God. And that's awesome. That's so cool. 
because I want us all to have a God that, or, you know, what spirit or universe or whatever we want to call it, um, you know, but something that works for us, something that can, a place where we can go whenever the outside's too scary, right? And so the self-discovery of that is um, just so rewarding. Love it. No, so beautiful. I love that. Um, I think that's really cool how it's so much of like your journey and what you're sharing is about that element of self-trust, like mm -hmm. looking within. And I think that's so, so cool. A lot of, and I like too, how there's so much of just like perspective shifts. Like you can look at your upbringing as mm -hmm. like victim, a state of victimhood, like you were mentioning, mm -hmm. or this was actually for the benefit of your soul's overall evolution. Or you could look at a dynamic with your daughter as, you know, maybe maybe challenging at times either way. But instead of it just being like a, a dead end of creating like more repressed pain and suffering, mm -hmm. it's actually an invitation to like take, take your power back. And I think that's so cool. And now... Um, I can just see like you just seem to have such like a gentle positive mm -hmm. demeanor mm -hmm. and I can imagine that that was you know not always yeah. the case when you're operating out of like so much fear and pain so I just think that's really beautiful and I think that's awesome thank you yeah it takes it it um there were some dark days <laughs> it, it takes you know I don't want to ever give anybody the impression that it's um you know like overnight this is, you know, overnight I forgave my parents. Overnight, um, I filled my body with love. No, that's not the way it worked for me. What worked for me is years and years of curiosity, you know, and not not backing down from this quest that I've been on. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the healer's journey, you know, where it's filled with light and it's filled with darkness. And um, there's enough space for all of that. Mm -hmm. That is so, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And would you say, like, for people who are on their own healing journey, like, at the beginning, and I mean, we're never at the end, but, mm -hmm. uh, like, what, what, like, what ways in which, what would you say about, like, what, it's given you, even though it's been like difficult to traverse through all these things and mm -hmm. that it's taken so long. Like what has made it worth like you having put one foot together every day and like exploring the terrain of healing yourself and bringing more light to yourself in the world of your relationships. Yeah, it's given me everything. Um, I feel like, uh, well, I know before, this is like my past life. Like it's this life, but it feels like it's my life. It's like the old me, <laughs> right? Like we, I have like 10 versions of myself this lifetime. Um, but it, uh, I would describe that me before I found myself um, as like, I just kind of white knuckled life. Like I was just hanging on to everything so tight. And I um, had tension in my, I had a lot of tension in my body. And I had, I mean, I just, Oh, it was just um, a little bit neurotic, really. It it feels crazy making because it um, 
I could, it, it's like I was never perfect enough. Nothing was ever good enough. Um, it could always be done better. And so uh, that's a tough way to live. And um, it felt like there's like a knife at your throat at all times. You know, it's just like I was holding myself hostage. And um, I became a runner um, during that time. It was like another way that I could escape. And I was just running like an obscene amount of miles per week, like so much. And I, my body started like physically and literally falling apart. Like my, uh, I had so many injuries and I wound up having hip surgery. Like it was just this whole thing where I was trying to like earn it and prove it and like my worth and my belonging and my lovability. Like, look how lovable I am. Look how worthy I am and trying to earn it. And, um, you know, and trying to be the perfect parent. Like, kids love me. Like, I can make up for all the pain that I had in my childhood if I'm just the perfect parent. So there was a lot of that kind of dialogue in my mind. And um, so what it's given me is my sanity, <laughs> right? It's like, oh my gosh, I can let go of that and know that um, on my best days, I feel whole and complete. And on my worst days, you know, I feel like there's still some work to do. Um, but it's work that I'm happy to do because it's like, it's given me this profound amount of peace. And it's so rewarding seeing my children because we have three kids. We don't just have Mary, but the <laughs> other two are boys. And, you know, it's just different with Mary and I. And um, just seeing them like be influenced by mindfulness practices and, you know, for them to be curious about themselves. It's just so rewarding. Yeah. So it's helped me be a better parent by a million, million times over. Not the perfect parent with, you know, the buttoned up shirt, but <laughs> like there's space here for the human experience, whatever it looks like. Mm. And so there's just this ease and flow and acceptance and, you know, all of the good things. It's amazing. I think it's so common to have this sense of anxiety and like this constant race to kind of prove to yourself that you're doing good enough and I that um it's so it's so impossible to satisfy and that sense of like inner peace and just being okay with things as they are is so priceless because we can like just relax and chill for a second so I love that for you. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, I mean, the measuring stick always moves, right? It's like the finish line. I'm almost here. I'm almost here. And then it's like, no, now it's five miles down the road whenever you're trying to like prove yourself. It's like that measuring stick always, it's, it's always moving, you mm -hmm. know? And so, yeah, when I stopped measuring, I don't know. It's like I became less outcome focused and more present mind focused. Mm -hmm. Um where it yeah that grounded it for me mm -hmm. and that's really where it all works that's kind of the whole premise of the podcast is mm -hmm. like you you i don't think you can achieve that that state which achieve is like such an ironic mm -hmm. word for this context mm -hmm. but i don't think you can like embody that state of ease and peace and flow and relaxation by trying to 
modify your external experience to give give you yourself that environment where it has that impact on you but then when we kind of shift our intentions toward healing internally it's like all the external environment still is probably never going to be like quote unquote perfect and it's still always changing but we can have just such a more harmonious relationship to life so i love how your story is like such a great example of that and i do have a question too which is kind of like going off in a different direction but you know, recently on the podcast and just in general have been loving talking about like space and aliens mm -hmm. and hearing oh, yeah. about, um, hearing about how Mm -hmm. I mean, I have heard of, I don't know if you have heard, and I, I'm new to hearing about it too, but it's called like quantum healing hypnosis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how a lot of that can be like past life regression type hypnosis sessions and that a lot of times what will come up will be actually past lives like that are non-human or not on earth. Have you yeah. ever come across that in your Akashic channeling? Hmm. I have not tapped into um, other planets or dimensions like that. No, um, I have tapped into like Atlantis. Oh, that's things so cool. like that. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but not otherworldly, although I believe it exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whoa, so yeah. what have you explored? And, and oh, yeah. I think that it's probably in the Akashic Records somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that those answers are there. It's just somebody has to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I'm so curious. I would love to learn more about what Atlantean mm -hmm. past lives and stuff you've experienced. Yeah. Do you, do you want to hear the story? Yeah. My, oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean... Um, my Atlantean, uh, past life was, I don't even, it was like the third cycle of Atlantis and I was in, um, it was like an androgynous form and I somehow went through a, like a time warp, like a tunnel and like slammed me into Atlantis. So maybe I did start out somewhere else. Maybe mm -hmm. that is, but it doesn't ever say like where, but I was slammed into the third cycle of Atlantis. And um, I didn't speak the language and didn't know the people and I didn't um, know how they nourished their bodies or how they dressed or anything. And so I was literally like, you know, a stranger in a foreign land. And um the relevance to this lifetime was it was kind of during that emotional development with Mary where I was really learning how to um, express that and find safety in that because when I in that previous lifetime when I was around these emotions it was just like I don't even that I don't even know what you guys are doing right now you know it was so <laughs> foreign and um so it was a it was a great report that uh i don't know it, it confirmed the i don't know it confirmed like the safety of it i guess in some way mm -hmm. if that makes sense it makes so much sense yeah. yeah the emotional experience i know i've heard is just like so 
so unique to being human. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can imagine how that would be. And I love it. Like now that I know, like yeah. now that I'm so in touch, like I love, like if we are talking emotions, like I'm here for it. Or if you feel something, like tell me everything. But I mean, yeah, it was just, I had just had to grow into that. Right. And it's so cool that you went, could go from one side of the spectrum, like so far, like, you know, into being open and accepting to all of this. It just like really shows the power of like the transformational journey and like mm -hmm. to awaken to these things. And sometimes, I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey that is nuanced and depending on who you are, what you've been through all the things, but sometimes just even the awareness mm -hmm. around it is the most powerful thing just to like catalyze whatever needs to happen to be able to be more or make your way towards being like more open and accepting to these things. But I have heard just so much of the, like the lessons of being human have to do with emotions just because like they are so, they're such an interesting phenomenon. Like they are so fascinating actually, like the way they can completely change your entire state of being i guess that's what it is energy in motion so yeah, yeah it's just energy it's nothing to be afraid of right. and so i think within me it was just waiting to be tapped into because mm -hmm. i have some kind of understanding otherwise you're probably right i don't know that i would have progressed mm -hmm. like i have but um yeah it's just energy Mm -hmm. It's just energy. And whenever you can look at it that way, then it's like, oh, I have a need to be defensive right now. Oh, that's just energy that needs to be expressed. And it's pointing me towards something within myself that might need a little more attention. You know, um, that part of myself that needs, I need to, that, that thinks it needs to protect itself. Well, that energy is only drawing my attention to that point for healing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have ways that you like to like healthfully process your own emotions or help your kids process their emotions and like any way, I don't know, just any helpful tips for our, our yeah. listeners who might be yeah. on the journey to be more comfortable yeah. with their like asking for right. emotional expression? Yeah. yeah, so I think I personally teach that the best way to um, begin to work with any triggering event which inevitably creates emotions is by self-reflecting and the way to do that is like i will sit down with my journal and i will write out the story of whatever i'm triggered by so like years and years ago i used to i, I work in a hospital and so i still do but um, I used to travel to a different hospital. And so I was gone for like 24, 72, four, 24, 48, 72 hours at a time. Like I was gone for these long blocks of time and we had young kids. And so whenever I came home from being gone for so long, it was really frustrating to me that there wasn't laundry done or dishes done or like, it's like it's saved for me to do, right? And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is stressful for me. And so I need some help here. Well. So there were many arguments about this before we came to a solution. But so I would sit down and I would journal. Here I am again. I get home and all the sinks full of dishes and the laundry baskets full of laundry. And am I supposed to do everything? I've been gone working. So I would like tell my story as victimized as I needed it to be. Right. And I would just write out and like move that story and that energy through me. And then I would start 
just listing my emotions. Well, I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm resentful. I'm, I don't know, sad, a little bit sad probably, you know, so I would just list those emotions because what this is doing is it's helping me get in touch with number one, my emotions, but also what, what's my story? Like I'm really getting familiar with what's happening inside of me. And until you have a dedicated practice to understanding that, then it's all kind of can be a little jumbled up inside of there. So after listing the emotions, then I start asking myself the question, okay, where has somebody treated me like this before? Where might I have treated somebody else like this? Or where, um, what are the three questions? I actually have them. Oh, how do I treat myself this way? How do I treat others this way? Or how do others treat me? Mm -hmm. And so usually that's connected to a place in childhood most of the time. And so what I quickly realized, it's like, oh, this has nothing to do with Mac, my husband. This has everything to do with, um, well, a number of things, but me feeling hyper responsible, me feeling like I have to make all of this work and that there's no rest for me. So I'm a little bit jealous and envious that he's over here resting because that's what I want to be doing, but you're saving. So, so I'm connecting that to a childhood wound so that now, oh, this isn't Mac, right? But there is some room for improvement and we're, we can talk about that. But now I know like, oh, my work is so that I don't feel so abandoned or so, so I don't feel so responsible or whatever it is. And so it's a really easy way to kind of get to what's happening, mm -hmm. you know, because cool. otherwise it just feels like, ah. 100%. that's yeah. so potent. I definitely, okay. So just to recap for our listeners too, it's like you write, you write down the story, what happened, mm -hmm. write down how you feel. And then these three questions, how do I treat myself this way? How do I treat others this way? How are others treating me this way? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really powerful. I've, I feel like I have in life and I liked how you said when you realize that the emotions are just energy emotion, like there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. Cause sometimes when we have these emotions that we're resistant to, mm -hmm. it does feel scary and mm -hmm. like, we don't, we don't really want to face them. And also they start these, these thought loops in our head, which it's like a, it's a, um, like a feedback loop where a certain thought pattern can trigger an emotion in us. And then we start yep. thinking about that emotion and we're just going around and around and around. And so the journaling, which I always want to incorporate more journaling into my practice, but anytime that it is that I do do it, or it is a more regular practice for me, I do find it to be so beneficial because you're writing out and putting kind of a linearity to this loop. And you can kind of see where it starts and where it ends and look at it to step back instead of being all caught up in, in that feeling and just see like, okay, how now there's kind of a vantage point where I can approach this from in a productive way or just a, a beneficial way. So I love that. I love that tip. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, we can all live on autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. It's like how easy it is just to slide into that, that like, oh, it's fine. I'll stay on the hamster wheel. It's fine. I don't need to, you know, it'll this this will this too shall pass. And you know, just like yeah. kind of go through life that way. I mean, I I did that for a long, long time. And it's yeah, to step off, you have to get real curious. For and sure. Start asking hard questions, you know? Mm -hmm. It's those pattern interrupts. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting too, how it's like you can, you can go and process all these emotions and there's never going to be an end to like experiences and, <laughs> and triggers. So it's like you can either, or you could be on the hamster wheel forever. Yeah. So either way, you're going to be running into these emotions, but you can either be kind of on the upward spiral or just like the flat, the flat. Right. But if you're on the upward spiral, it's like things are kind of getting better along the way. So recommend to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. One time I had, I was kind of lamenting to my teacher. She was my teacher at the time. And I was saying like, oh, I'm just so tired of this. I'm so tired of the learning. I'm so tired of it. Because I just want, just like you said, once you're, once you've learned, you know, I, I figured this out. I understand, um, you know, I understand what personal authority is. Okay, well, then you're automatically onto the next thing. You know, it's like there's there's so many layers to it. And um, so I was kind of exacerbating my exhaustion to her one day. And she, and I was like, is this ever going to end? When is this going to end? And she said, well, it, when it ends, you're dead or you're not going to reincarnate. So, no, this is the setup. Like, if you want to be incarnate, then that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. I know. So Felt a little different <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I've been through, yeah. yeah right? Breather. Yeah, Can yeah. I get a break? Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. We were just kind of talking about that out. Just the idea of like cultivating, like I, I was thinking of my just relationship to the, the ever-changing and ever-learning and ever-challenging path. And even though everything is is changing, that's making it up, there's always that element of, change and growth mm -hmm. and it's like okay mm -hmm. how can i kind of build this relationship to change and growth where i'm i'm embracing that and i'm practicing being a little more comfortable with with that because it seems like that's the the one way to make it less less of a less of a grind less of a drag but the intensity mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. kind of the the whole crux yeah. of it yeah. <laughs> when you can drop out of your head and into your heart, yes. things become exponentially easier. A hundred percent. Because then you're kind of just like flowing with all the lessons instead of intellectualizing them all, which I think is the most exhausting. And trying to understand them and trying yes. to figure it out. And, yeah. Right. It's so, it's so truly hilarious. I love that. I think that's such a good point. It's cute, isn't it? It's like, you're so cute. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> and things are a lot more things. Yeah. yeah, things become yeah. a lot more magical when you drop into the heart and then it can be kind of like this like alchemist quest of like life instead of like one lesson after another, after another, after another. Instead, it can be like synchronicity, lesson <laughs> over here, like the colors getting a little bit brighter, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so mm -hmm. it's all a journey. And um, mm -hmm. I know we're encroaching at the end of our time with you. So I just want to know like, if you feel like there's anything left on like your heart that like you wanted to share with the listeners, it's like, we're all, we're all pretty open and just like on the journey. Mm -hmm. Growth and um, co-creating heaven on earth, of course. And just would love to hear, hear anything that you might've wanted to share that you didn't get to yet today. You may have heard this on the previous podcast, but the, the story that I love to tell, it comes from the book conversations with God with Neil Donald Walsh. And I love this reminder because it it allows me to move into a different perspective. 
So the story goes like this, where there are two souls that are just light, two lights out there in the ethers. And one soul says to that another soul, I want to learn about forgiveness. I want to learn about forgiveness this time. And the other soul said, I can help you do that. I can help you learn about forgiveness, but I only have one request. And he's like, oh, sure, anything. What is it? And he said, and then this soul says, I just request that you don't forget who I am when there's something to be forgiven. And so I think about that a lot. And I think about, you know, here on this planet, whenever we feel so wronged by so many people and how we can carry this victimhood with us throughout our entire lives, whenever really, really my, my family was in support of me being here, I wouldn't be here today. And that sounds so cliche, but I know that their soul was serving my soul by playing the part that they did. And it was painful. And it's like whenever you can start to interact with people from that soul level and seeing their brilliance, seeing their wisdom and seeing their light, um, nothing will ever be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so, so beautiful. And it completely is like, that's a perspective shift that would change the way you experience reality. We, we talk about often, it's like all about changing the perspective, changing the programming and to be able to relate to someone soul to soul. It's like, yeah, just such a beautiful reminder. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. We all need reminders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know what you guys were saying about living from the heart instead of the head was such a good reminder for me as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, there's that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Calista and Anika. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. Oh, it was so nice nice to meet you as well. We'll have to connect again in the future. Yeah. If you ever want to chat, I love, I could do this all day, every day. This is my passion. So I love talking consciousness and enlightenment and all the things. Oh, definitely. I think there's so much more that we could explore together too. I mean, I think it's really beautiful that Mm -hmm. you have uh, a happy family and we're still mm-hmm. on the journey like I would we would love to hear mm-hmm. you oh my gosh yes on like feminine masculine energy oh. dynamics, if you yeah. ever think about that and love everything but and more and more as well but I do we could do so you. much just on like dream interpretation I mean yes, we didn't so even get into the dreams yeah. okay you're gonna have to do I'm so passionate about dreams it's like my love I loved it yeah. okay that, that'll be the, the part dreams. two yeah, yeah. part two relatable to brainwash yourself and i had a stressful dream last night so i'm like (laughs) it's present to me but um write it down and (laughs) so we can talk about it that's what i should do the dream journal yeah um i do want to ask you so if our listeners want to find more of your work is there anywhere in particular we can link like the the previous podcast episodes that we listened to interviews that you did but is there anywhere that um people can kind of find you online or more of your work so i have stepped away from intuitive reporting just as of right now um i i will get back into it but if people are interested in having an intuitive reporter and getting a report i have um i know many people who they could get on a website and find. One is called um, akashicresources.com. Let me confirm that real quick. Akashicresources.com. So if they were interested in buying some type of intuitive report, fabulous um, 
reporting group there. And yeah, I mean, as far as me, you know, like I'm not teaching classes anymore. I've kind of uh, stepped out away from that. I'm just giving myself like all the space to just live into me right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not teaching. So it's all, you know, I work, I'm a nurse practitioner in town and then I have a family and kind of do my thing. So, you know, even, you know, links would be my personal pages. So, right. Right. Well, you know, we're even luckier that we got to have a conversation with you and, <laughs> and dive into this stuff since, uh, yeah, you're, you're not actively, uh, offering your services right now, but if you ever are, yeah. Again, let us know and we'll share so people can find you. Thank and you so we'll, much. I guess we'll just have to tune in for the part two. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, come yeah. back to brainwash yourself if you want more. Man, <laughs> that's really cool too, mm -hmm. how you're just like, I'm just me. I'm yeah. just a being mm -hmm. here to share my experience. So mm -hmm. that's well, I tried for a lot of years being somebody else and that didn't work. So <laughs> I figured I might as well spend the last half of my life being me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, respect. Mm -hmm. We love it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's Amazing. so cool. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again next week. And um, until next time, be blessed. Be blessed. Mm -hmm. <laughs>